Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. It's Benji Nyson for the final road stage of the Giro d'Italia 2021 before the TT tomorrow, stage 20 from Verbania to Valle Spluga. GC all up for grabs, 164Ks, 85Ks or 80Ks rather of flat before the climb starts. So the last half of the course is all the climbing. Paso San Bernardino, 24Ks at 6.2%. Then a technical descent, hairpins, bit wet, glacial runoff, snow runoff. Then a valley before the Splugen Pass. They're going to Switzerland today, 9Ks at 7.3%. Descent again. No real valley. And then the final 7.3k climb, 8% to Alpe Mota, which in the Bernardino is pretty consistent. So is Spluga. Uh, Mota has some steep sections in the second K and the second to last kilometre. A reminder of the GC positions before we went into the stage. Egan Bernal wearing the leader's jersey about 2 minutes and 29 seconds ahead of Caruso, 2.49 ahead of Yates, then massive gaps. Vlasov, Carthy, Bardet, Martinez, all from 6 minutes to 7.30, down to 7th, and then Almeida at 8.26, and then best of the rest. We won't even do the final top 10. Benji, we thought it was satellite riders today, all day. Did did they actually try and get satellite riders in the break, Bex and DQS? Well, it depends on how you consider it. If you consider satellite riders from your own team, then they didn't succeed in that. But if you consider satellite riders from other teams, then it certainly helped out. But we'll talk about it throughout the stage. I think the first things that we noticed when the race was starting that we saw a lot of attacks, but not necessarily ones that opened gaps. I think only one attack by Van Hooke opened up a bit of a gap and the rest of the peloton was just closing gaps again. And we saw Geisa trying to get into breakaways. We saw one or two bike exchange riders also trying to do so as those satellite riders trying to set up moves for their leaders. The problem is if Geisa goes and bike exchange counters that, Ineos just follows the second team that counters. And basically, those teams are neutralizing their own satellite rider breakaway every single time. And it didn't get much better the moment that we ended up getting closing in on the uh, Chiclamino sprint, because then UAE was trying to pace and try and keep the peloton close, try something with Gaviria for that, because they could still jump from third to second in that classification. And a lot of those tiny things for classifications happened today. And eventually, the sprint happened. They all got out sprinted by a Bardiani rider, Fiorelli, and eventually Gaviria didn't take over Chimolai, and uh, Sagan basically gave a lead out to Fiorelli and then stopped sprinting 100 meters before the sprint, but didn't matter for him anyway. Like, it wasn't going to do much anyway, so they'd actually have to, like, finish top 10 or something at the finish in Alpe Mota as well to get enough points to pass Sagan, but that ain't happening here. But Chiclamino aside, that's pretty much decided. I think after the Sage, Sagan is officially... Completely safe for Chiclamino if he finishes the race. That's an important detail to that. And afterwards, we saw attacks again. Again, Kaisa trying. And also, well, the tempo died out again. And then Nibali tried for an attack on one side of the road. 
also doing the same. Casey jumps on the wheel again, and then two bike exchange riders. And then Ineos just sits in the wheel of that bike exchange rider, again, neutralized. It was eventually an attack that actually was a bit later that was able to go. And honestly, this was not the break where you had satellite riders from teams that were looking towards an interest in the general classification. You have Visconti, Verwake, Grosschardner, Albanese, also Dries de Bont, and Ver... No, and Pelot. The thing and about Taco. that is... Taco. And Taco van der Horn, you're right. In that breakaway, Pelot is pretty important because that's the second classification that is decided today. That Fuga competition, uh, the amount of kilometers in the breakaway that he and Marengo are fighting about that wasn't secure yet, is now secure because Marengo is not in the breakaway. Pelot takes that home. Second classification of the day done. We know that in terms of KOM, yeah, Bouchard was safe anyway if he finishes the race, so that was already gone as well. But that's a breakaway. That includes people that, well, have histories with GC riders, and we'll go into that in a bit. But what do you think that became clear that this break wasn't going to make it and which teams were trying to set things up on San Bernardino? Oh, the minute the break went and you saw the composition of it, I was like, went for a, went to get lunch and a hike. I've... <laughs> I'll come back to the base of San Bernardino because, you know, they're not winning this stage. GC is going to be too interested. Someone will pace on that long climb and put big time into them. And, yeah, Bike Exchange did start to pace on that big, long climb, not that steep. And they were using Hepburn uh, on that climb. And I think De Koenig might use Kaser for a little bit. Yeah. The, pace was, the pace was low. Only the sprinters were getting dropped. No one looked under pressure. You know, Bernal would do solo 40-minute climbs or hour climbs in training much harder than that. I think it's a long climb and surely you're going to make them tired, but it, it's no Rowan Dennis. And I think that's the one of the big takeaways I had from today was imagine if one of these teams that were on the attack had Rowan Dennis and Bike Exchange didn't have him. They didn't have Schultz. Nieve hasn't been able to pull too much at all this Giro and uh, – yeah, they didn't really put anyone into too much difficulty. There's a short little descent two-thirds of the way up the climb. And then after that, DSM took over up to the top, just keeping the pace high. Nico Roche pulling. He was in the break the other day on stage 18, pulling. And we're like, are they setting up our day on the climb to attack? Nothing from Yates. He's sitting in the wheels. No, all the GC containers are pretty much staying sturm. They brought the gap back to the breakaway. It's gone from 3.30 to 2 to 1.30. It's almost, we see the cars moving out. It's about 50 seconds. And DSM pacing, and then there's a descent attack on the Paso San Bernardino. It's before the next climb, it's proper descent. And then there's a false flat downhill valley after the proper descent it's like 15k so if you want to go into descent attack you can't do it alone if you're going for the stage or if you're gc content you've got to bring teammates you've got to bring people willing to work with you what did you see with that dsm attack benji was it a deliberate thing off the front with Bardet, knowing he's a pretty good descender or was it more ineos being like nah not taking any risks castro deliberately letting the wheel go i think it's a combination of both first of all you've got dsm that's actually putting pressure in the descent with Hamilton, I think, ahead of Storer and then Bardet in third wheel, which means three riders to try and get away. And Ineos is also going to be like, Bardet, he's like eight minutes behind. Are we really going to care right now? He can just get the stage for all I care. So we'll just ride our own tempo. If nobody like a Caruso or something is in there, then there's no immediate threat. And that was the case for the initial part of the descent. And then suddenly we saw an image where it was not the Ineos riders that were chasing DSM anymore because there was a gap to two riders from Bahrain 
Bilbao and Caruso had attacked off the front of the elite group with Ineos riding there. And Ineos also did not exactly just jump onto their wheel and risk it. They decided to, we've got enough riders. If we make it with these riders, I think five in total, Pucho was still there even. If we can make these riders to that plateau section, then we have the numerical advantage over a Caruso, a Bilbao, Bardet, Storer, and the other rider, uh, Hamilton. Now, what they didn't calculate for is that that breakaway is still up there. Well, they probably calculated for it, but it's an aspect that is not foreseen. That breakaway is still there, and the riders in there do have a history with teams. Fervake rode for Sunweb last year. We had Visconti, who has history with Caruso, for example. And I gotta be honest, they came to the bottom with 20 seconds, all those groups in front of the Ineos group, so the Bardet group, the Caruso group, and the breakaway all formed together. And the Bardet rider, I think Hamilton was still pacing just Store. before the uh, plateau. Was it Stora first? I think Hamilton uh, first. Hamilton first, sorry, yes. Hamilton dropped first and Stora at the end. I think one thing I noticed was it was either Moscon or someone, mm-hmm. two Ineos riders joined the DSM move yeah. when they went and then they backed off and went backwards and i don't know whether maybe martinez lost the wheel i don't know what happened but it seemed like we're thinking is simon yates do you think simon yates should have tried to join the, the uh bahrain move because bahrain were basically counting on the fact that ineos didn't want to take big risks on that descent i would have argued yes but then again is it going to be that easy to do it uh, was he in the position to do it? Was he prepared for making that move? Did Bilbao suddenly launch forward with Caruso in the wheel? If you're going to try and make it to that wheel, are you going to be able to ride at the same pace as Bilbao to close and bridge towards Bahrain again of the of the front of that Ineos train? I don't know. I think that it's easy to say, oh, he should have been there. But I think that he should have been there. But <laughs> uh, all in all, it all came together near that plateau section. And uh, the second that... I saw Visconti at the front of that front group, pacing like a crazy man. Let's be honest, it's for Caruso. We don't, we won't lie about it. It's for Caruso that he was pacing, like, in all <laughs> honesty. And he, he paced like crazy, and he paced that for the entire plateau section. And after the plateau section, he dropped. So very clear to me that that was a, a gesture of appreciation to the history they have, probably, or a fellow Italian, because like you mentioned yesterday, they're Italian. So they know each other. <laughs> That's the way it works. Yep. Seems to be the way. So they get Splugen Pass. So this is the second to last climb. We've got this dangerous group that's gaining time on the plateau, as Benji said, even though they've got a full Ineos team with Puccio and Moscon chasing. Moscon, he's pulled a lot. He gets to the base of Splugen Pass. And then behind him is Narvaez, Castroviejo, Bernal, Martinez, Pronsky, Vlasov. And Yates is back there with Almeida as well. So Ineos have good numbers. But I think Hamilton pulls off. Stora begins to relay on the Splugen Pass with uh, Bill Bow. Bardet eventually tells Bill Bow, hey, you got to work too, not just Stora on this climb. They, those two start working really well. They extend the gap from 25 to 35 to 45. It even might have touched 50 seconds at one point. And Moscon's gone. Dennis Narvaez is doing Moscow. a big job. Sorry. <laughs> He's, then Narvaez pulling. Remember, Narvaez was replaced Ivan Sosa at this year. He might have made a difference to Bernal. Then I think Narvaez might not have done the full Splugen pass himself, Benji. I think Castro also pulled uphill yeah. on the Splugen pass. And the whole time we're thinking, when is Simon Yates going to attack? 
because if he wants to make 249, yeah, and the, the final climb is not so long. Were you, were you, that's what I was waiting for, Benji, on that second to last one. Yeah, I was already kind of surprised by their strategies beforehand on the plateau section when they decided to put a rider of bike exchange to pace with Ineos, while I would oh, have yeah, said that to that bad. rider, I would have said to the rider, just just don't. They're, they need to bad. spend all, all their riders, and that, that might cost at the end of the stage, for example. But uh, that was a bad move, putting a bike exchange rider there. Honestly, I, I was like, really, really bike exchange? You're going to ride for like basically second now because you're going to try and chase Caruso down? I was really disappointed in the strategy there. But like you mentioned, Yates on Splugen Pass, wasn't expecting an attack there. If he was in good shape, yes. Quite simple. Yeah. Because if he's riding for first still, which I doubt after that move on the plateau section, then he needs to make the move there because he can't do it on Alpamoto alone. I just ruined the name yeah. of that climb, but you know what I mean. It's the last climb's not 15Ks, 18Ks. It's not that long. I know people can crack or whatever, but... Two minutes are long. That's a big gap to make. We don't see gaps like that on a final climb if they all start at the base together. And so, yeah, we got the Bilbao Caruso group going over the top with Bardet and Stora, those four on Splugen Pass. Fantastic work from them. We have another descent. Beautiful scenery uh, as well throughout Switzerland. And then it gets sunny. It was raining a little bit. It gets sunny as they go back into Italy on that descent. And Ineos had Castroviejo on the descent. So Ineos took over the descent, chasing 40-second gaps, let's say, for a lot of this chase. Castro, Bernal, Martinez. So they're the last three Ineos riders left. And Martinez kept losing the wheel of Bernal on the descent off the Splugen Pass. And he's got Yates on his wheel. And instead of making Yates close the gap back to Bernal, he would then be chasing. So we have these every hairpin almost. We have Bernal having his wheel lost by Martinez, who then has to spike his watch, chase back on, brings Yates back. Eventually, they get to the base, and there's a 20-second gap, Benji. It's a huge gap, and we're thinking, does Castro wait? Because at this point, Caruso is the bigger threat on GC than Yates because Yates hasn't attacked yet. But I think Ineos showed their experience, Benji. They showed like their calm under pressure. They sat up let the gap go from 30 out to 40 again and let Martinez catch back up. But his descending is a problem for the future, right, Benji, if he wants to really contest Grand Tour GCs? Yeah, certainly. We noticed that Evenepoel had that this Giro. He needs to work on that, but that's the same for Martinez. And the thing with Martinez dropping as well is that ah, it's a bit weird because like, the second he drops, he's still at the front of like all the other GC riders, while Bernal and... Castorvejo have a bit of a gap on him. If I'm him, then I'm using this to my advantage and playing it a bit strategically. Like, then I'm saying to the guy behind me, well, they're my teammates. Close it down yourself. And I try and use that inability to descend a bit. But he decided not to. He decides to crawl back on the flatter section himself, basically pulling all the other GC riders back again. But that might have been a better decision as well if you consider that Caruso is still ahead and he might be needed to close that gap down on the final ascension. So what's your take on that? Do you think that he should have let the others do the work or do you think that it's good that he uh, wrote it down himself? 
Um, I think it's tricky because he probably thinks, shit, if I tell, if I flick Yates, maybe Yates attacks me and bridges across the gap and then it yeah. becomes more of a problematic scenario. So what he did was he got on the radio, screamed at them and then Castroviejo sat up. And so they went into the base of the final climb race situation, Caruso 229 behind Bernal going into the base with like a 40, 45 second advantage membering for the final TT Bernal probably want two minutes is super safe. One thirty still should win. One minute could go either way, and then anything less than that, very very dicey and probably all in Caruso's court. And so forty five seconds. And Ineos' plan clearly was we want Danny Martinez to pace this final climb and eat back into this gap. Bardet being so far behind on GC. It was clear that he and uh, Caruso would form an alliance on this final climb, but they would pull together, Bardet for stage win, Caruso going for GC as much as possible. The problem was Caruso was too strong. <laughs> yeah. And Bardet, I mean, Caruso got mad and they realised, oh, this guy just can't pull. I think he pulled once or twice and then he couldn't pull anymore, Bardet, and Caruso dropped him off his wheel. Meanwhile, we were worried. I was worried. I was like, maybe Danny Martin is going to be really tired after all that work he's had to do in these valleys. Not a problem. He was absolutely on <laughs> fire. Castro Viejo did a mammoth job from like the middle of Splugen Pass all the way to the base of Valle Spluga. And then, yeah, I think he took over Martinez with 38 seconds and he just kept that gap stable and ate in two seconds here, three seconds there. And Bernal was on the wheel. Almeida was yo-yoing. At what point did you think Benji... Did you think Yates was just going for stage win then? He was hoping it got down to 15 and he could bridge? Because, or you just say he must have bad legs because none of this makes sense? Yeah, like it, it went into the last five kilometers, and usually that's the moment where Yates has already made that move. Because if he doesn't dare, then he's basically not doing anything today. And he didn't do it there. And roughly when it went under that five kilometer margin from the finish line, I was like, oh, maybe he's not actually as good as. I anticipated he would be because like everybody in the group was starting to suffer. We saw Maida just yo-yoing off the back. That man can definitely go to like <laughs> 10 walls and has nine lives because he drops, he crawls back. He drops, he crawls back. He passes Foss who drops. He drops, he crawls back. He passes Vlasov that drop. He drops, he crawls back. Like, I don't know what's up with Almeida, but that man can genuinely hold on for so, can so long. <laughs> and it got even worse when... Yates started to suffer, and I feel like, whoa, did Almeida, was Almeida still there when Yates dropped or not? Almeida was there almost the whole time. I think, oh, I remember Vlasov was dropping, and then Almeida puts himself in a difficult position, Benji, where he like, he's always last wheel, and then Vlasov drops, and he has to go close the gap. Carthy drops, he has to close the gap, and he eventually beats Yates on this climb. Yates drops badly off the pace of Martinez, and it's basically Martinez pulling uh, Egan Bernal. Caruso drops Bardet. I think when Bilbao pulled off, I do want to mention Caruso gave him a big slap on the back, which was great to see as well. But yeah, Caruso riding his pace, incredibly strong on the final climb. I think 2Ks left, 20 seconds. Danny Martinez catches back up to Roman Bardet. He says, my job is done because I've been protecting my seventh on GC. Now I can protect attack Bardet in the TT tomorrow. He pulls off as soon as he sees Bardet and then it's Bernal on his own. And it's pretty perfect from Ineos, you know. Yeah. Again, last two Ks, protect a 20, you know, here's a 20 second disadvantage to Caruso. Just hold that gap. And that's pretty much what Bernal did. And I mean, the pace must have been good from Martinez. He dropped to Yates, Almeida, Vlasov, Carthy, everybody. 
and they even he even dropped Bardet at the end. But Caruso, I think once we saw it go to 25, it pretty much meant GC was over for him and Bernal had locked this down. But he still won the stage, Damiano Caruso, his biggest win by far. This man, I think he won a 1-1 Spanish race in the Basque Country last year. It was his first win since 2013. Never won a one pro race or a two pro Crazy. stage, let alone a world tour race. Takes the Verbania Vallespluga stage 20. I'd say this is the queen stage, Benji, pretty much. Um, yeah. Crazy win for Caruso. And, and what a plan from Bahrain. Like, do you think, I mean, run through what their team could have been, Benji, and, and like, yeah, how strong they could have been. Who, who's pulled out from them so far? Well, we had Gino Mader, we had Mikel Landa, we had Mohoric. I think those were the three ones uh, that actually yeah. pulled out for their team, which means that they basically lost Landa, who was their initial leader, who would likely be similar to the level of Caruso, I'd expect, personally. Then we have Mader, who won that stage in the first week, so was certainly good at climbing. And Mohoric, a godlike descender, who would have been so insane for today. I think that, I said it on the rest day yeah. as well, I think, Bahrain would have been a better team in this final week than Ineos was. Uh, I dare to put my hand in the fire for that. Like, the team that they had on the table, if they would have come with that team to the final week, well, that that's mad, like, genuinely. But unfortunately, the race is not like that. But it will also work that way for Ineos. And got to keep in mind, Sivakov would also be there if crashes didn't happen or punctures didn't happen exactly. in cycling. But unfortunately, they do. They're part of the sport. And I hope that people don't get injured, but it's essential to be on your bike in cycling. And I don't mean that harshly, you know that. But um, like all in all, yeah, Ineos was strong enough today to keep that together. And despite alliances from other teams, because like, for example, I didn't mention yet that Ravaka on Ischbluggen Pals was doing most of the pacing for DSM and then pulled off when he was done. So clearly something was going on there as well. But um like in all honesty, a really good stage, very, very fun. And yeah, I can't wait fun. to get into a discussion in, in terms of who can move up and down in time trials. Yeah. I love that. I'll do the top 10. Caruso first, 24 seconds ahead of Bernal. Caruso posted up early, like with 50 meters to go. I think he kind of accepted his GC chance at winning overall was not possible. Uh, but yeah, Bernal second, Martinez third, taking the four bonus seconds. So Caruso also takes four bonus seconds ahead of Bernal's six bonus seconds. Martinez third, same time as Bardet, and beating, I think, six seconds ahead of Almeida, Yates sixth, Vlasov seventh, Carthy eighth, and Fortunato ninth, Pedrero tenth. So the revised GC is a little bit different from fifth to tenth. Bernal loses 30 seconds to Caruso. He's 159 ahead of him. Yates loses back the time he gained, was it yesterday, on Bernal. He's at 3.23. Flasov, big gap, four minutes. uh, Sorry, not. He's in fourth at 7.07. Bardet moves up to fifth on 7.48. Martinez, sixth on 7.56. Carthy drops down. He's on 8.22. Almeida on eighth at 8.50. Foss, 12.39. Dan Martin is in 10th on 16 minutes 48. Huge, huge GC gaps, right? It's incre- incredible how big the GC gaps are. But this is what Benji's been wanting to talk about all episode, all recap. Tomorrow's ITT from Senegal to Milano. 30Ks, two intermediate time checks at 9 and 20. 
pretty much flat. Let me have a look at the map. It's not that technical. I mean, there's some, there's turns, of course, um, and it's it's going through the town of Milan. So if it's raining, you've got to be careful, of course. And those streets, that's why they don't have the sprint there. But uh, it's not an out and back either. So it, it's, it is a little bit tricky, but not the most tricky in the world. What are you, you've been doing some research and some homework, Benji, about what you think will happen in tomorrow's TT. Yes, so we know that the kilometers of that time trial is above 30 kilometers, which is really important because that means it's a pretty long effort. Now, going into history, Crusoe's really good in time trials in the last week. Like, he got fourth in the Giro final time trial in 2019. That was behind Hagedigent and also uh, Gumpenarts, but that's basically taking roughly uh, a minute on the likes of a Simon Yates. So that's kind of what we can also think about in terms of what Caruso can pull off. He was also seventh on Planche de Belfille last year on the Tour de France. So again, consistent time trial performances okay. in the third week. I think that Bernal, we don't have too much data for him in final time trials. I think the only one we can really look at is a time trial he had in 2019 in his Tour de France. And the problem there was that that was not a great time trial. He dropped, he was 136 behind Philippe which is a minute behind the Jens, which is the rider that was like three seconds ahead of Caruso in that other time trial. So this is all assumptions based on history, of course, because that's how you try and predict what happens in a time trial. I think that Caruso is definitely in one of the better forms of his life right now. I think two minutes might be too much for Caruso to overtake. After Planche, I'm never sure about it, but I think that Bernal on paper has this... Geo secured. I'd love to have a hot take and say, oh, Caruso wins this, people, but it's going to be really difficult to pull it off. But I still believe that there's at least like a 5% or 3% chance that he could pull it off. But that's the max I can go. And for the rest, I don't know. I think that Bernal's time trial is genuinely pretty decent, but I haven't seen it in a third week properly yet. So that's why it's very hard to go there. What do you think about those two first riders first? Uh, I see Bernal's ITT, and I, I'm I'm just looking at his longer ones in, say, Paranese and the Tour de France. So he did the Paranese one in in uh, 2019. I think Benji mentioned, you know, 15 seconds to Yates, but a weird TT, you know. And I think he's an averagely bad TT. I don't expect him to. He's not like a completely shit the bed, lose three minutes, you know, on a 25k TT like. Like Lopez Planche de Belfi last year, like and or Quintana in some TTs. He's seen he's better than those guys when they completely capitulate. Uh, but he's not good either. And if if he was if Caruso was Geraint Thomas on form or, or Dumoulin, then two minutes suddenly doesn't look like a very big gap at all. Uh, but Caruso, he's not a world beater in the TT either. So I think Almeida will Almeida Benji, will he put could he put two minutes into Bernal? Well, does it matter for Almeida to put time into Bernal? That's the question, right? Just as a thought exercise. Like, if there was someone no, like Dumoulin or Almeida. For, for a final time trial in, in a third week of a Grand Tour, I'm saying that Caruso is likely getting close to Almeida. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not joking on that. I think that Caruso is top five in the time trial tomorrow. And Really? Yeah, I believe that Caruso can do really well on this final time trial. I could be completely wrong in that, but hey, <laughs> I'm just here giving out my takes. But it's not only like those two riders, because we're talking about Almeida. If you look at the rest of that top 10, for example, I believe that 
Garfi is ahead of Almeida, Bardet is ahead of Almeida, Martinez is ahead of Almeida. But if you look at that closely, then I believe Almeida can move up some places. And it's not going to be, he's not going to end up fourth because Martinez is a good TT and very underestimated in that. I believe that Almeida can pass Garfi. I believe that Bardet might even drop straight to eighth. So that would be eighth Bardet tomorrow, seventh Garfi. Sixth, I think, Almeida. And then a battle for fourth and fifth between Vlasov and Martinez would be my guess. And on paper, according to the last TTs, I'd say Vlasov. But according to the long history of time trials, then Martinez is better for me. So that might be closer than expected. But I kind of feel like the differences that will be made will be made between four and ten. And the biggest moves will be... Almeida getting sixth and Martinez fourth or fifth entering the top five, which is an insane team performance by any else in total, I think. I think if Caruso had, if there's a climb in this TT, it would really suit him based on Planche de Belfi last year. Yeah, but year, it also suits on, Bernal better then. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm talking more, no? I don't mean like a okay. mountaintop finish type thing or no. like, a, I, I mean just a rolly with like a 3K 5% or a couple of mm-hmm. them. I think that suits a better time trialist than someone like Bernal. I think in that sort of scenario, you see the better TT is able to hold position longer and Bernal getting into a less aerodynamic position, but it's not. they're still yeah. going 35, 38 kilometres an hour. I think Tour de Suisse, Stage 9, ITT, Caruso, like he only got beaten by Kung and Dennis that had a climb in it. But, you know, we're not talking a nasty one, but just a, a, a decent enough is a rolly course. So I think the pure flat doesn't... It still suits him, but doesn't give him as much of an advantage over the weaker time trialists. I think, what do you expect of Danny Martinez, Benji? You think he will pull out a good TT tomorrow? I mean, yeah. he, he has had good ones, but he's not always bang on. I think he's entering top five. Um, he's definitely passing Bardet. And the question is, can he pass Vlasov? It depends on how Vlasov does. We only have two results of Vlasov that were good. So it's hard to say that that's consistent yet, but... It's also hard to say that that's consistent in a third-week time trial because we haven't seen that yet. I don't remember what third-week time trials for Martinez looked like. I think he wrote a tour last year. I'm going to take a quick look. 11 from Planche Valfi, so that's a good time trial. Mm-hmm. So I think that Martinez is uh, is perhaps top 10 in the time trial tomorrow, top 10, top 15. And if Lozov loses 50 seconds to him, then it's the other way around, and, uh, and it's full for Martinez. But I, I think that they're both in... Top five, Martinez and Bernal uh, tomorrow. But Martinez and Caruso, not Bernal. Uh, well, Mar- Bernal is also going to be in top five. <laughs> in, in the stage? Oh, or the uh, in, in the GC. In GC. Oh, GC. Okay, GC. sorry, okay. sorry for the confusion. Think, <laughs> yeah, Almeida will beat Carthy. Will Almeida put a minute into Martinez no. for 50 seconds? I think possibly. Ah. Um, possibly, but... Bardet is going to get fucked in the time trial. I'm worried. <laughs> I'm worried for Bardet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really worried. I don't. I don't see how Almeida puts a minute forty three into Vlasov if Vlasov's yeah. TT is as good as it has been recently. Uh, but what about stage winners, Benji? For this, we you know we, we Chad oh, Hager won this stage once. And it's got to be Ganner's the easy answer, right? I mean, he's the easy answer, the- but he's also the boring answer, isn't it? Like. <laughs> I'd love it if it was like someone surprising or something. But on paper, Ganna pulled off pretty early today on the first climb already. So I'd expect him to be uh, relatively fresh as he basically could ride the entire 
last part of the stage in the lower tempo in the Gruppetto. Athene? Ooh. Athene is the dark horse, but he's not even a dark horse because he was so good early, but people might have forgotten yeah, he's still I, in the I race. Yeah, I forgot about him. So yeah. it's good that you said it. Like, generally, Athene is definitely a name that you could mention. A Bevan would need more of a rolling terrain, I think, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yes. Yeah, so Brentle, but that's a top 10, I guess, and Foss, no. but... Like I don't, Foss can't move up because he's like four minutes behind people and no, ten minutes he'll in go front full. of people. But he'll go full he'll for the time trial and top five. I don't know top three. Foss, Foss will top five. Almeida will top five. Agana will top five. Athene is Athene more of a ten k guy though. Like is he when he was consistently better at TTs? Was he good at the longer ones or the the shorter ones? I don't. I am not as familiar with Eduardo Athene's. TT. Is he only 24? Well, so it's, it's, it's not difficult to not be that into his stats because it took him two years to get back to this level. But 15 kilometer time trial, he won it to Britain, but that was against the likes of Langeveld from Barl and Durbridge. So it's not necessarily the, the top time trialists in the world. And next to that, I have a hard time finding pretty big ones, 28th in Andalusia that year as well. But ah, I think that. He's on paper decent, but I think he's better at the shorter ones personally. But it's yeah. it's a bit of an unknown for me also. I don't think I've got think, a, a clear view. I'd expect Foss to perhaps beat him in Etio? the TT. Not uh, too long. I don't like Betty. I think it, it's pretty <laughs> It's pretty uh, for the TT. I think it's Ganner. Okay. <laughs> Ganner's a pretty obvious answer to be honest. And uh, maybe yes? Fossil. Because like he he's DNS, he still there? He's DNS. Yeah, of course. Yeah. No one's never mind about like. that. He's not coming back tomorrow for the for the. Final I'm trying to look for the for the Chad Hager sort of operator. <laughs> Is it Bevan? Someone like Bevan? Imagine if Cameron Meyer or something wins. No offense. Yeah, I I do think it'd probably be Ganner though. Ah, uh, I think it'd be a great day for Ineos to have the Malia doing the TT in the Malia and then winning the TT with Ghana. I mean, does Bernal, do we have to discount his time because he's going to have to do the TT in the weird skin suit provided Benji and Caruso gets to wear the the the, the team one? Does Ooh, that I forgot make about a difference? That. Yeah, could happen. Uh, Imagine. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I think that there's like no other jersey that Caruso is a part of, so he's all definitely going to be wearing his own kit. And, yep. well, they're not wearing the local kit anymore though, so... Yeah, true. Wow. It's not as quick. Yeah. Speaking of which, if you want free speed, the Lacole McLaren Project Aero collaboration is live right now. You can get 20% off those newly dropped products with LRCP20. We're coming out to the last stages of the Giro. That discount code is running out. All caps LRCP20 for our show partner, LaCole's kit, not just the McLaren Project Aero stuff, but on all their items, including already discounted ones. Get yourself a deal now with LaCole. But, yeah, thanks for that segue, Benji. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how well Caruso will go. Um, but, yeah, I can't wait to watch. We've got Dauphiné starting as well. It's an incredible stage today. Otherwise, Bouchard wins the KOM jersey, I think, and Sagan wins the Chiclamino jersey. Pello wins the Fuga and Bernal wins the white jersey as well because he is still like 23 years old, 24 years old. So yeah. crazy. Flasov will have to do the TT in the white jersey though. So that's why ben- Benji thinks he'll have a bad day. Can he decide not TT. to wear it if he's second? I don't know. I don't know the rules. Yeah, I don't know the rules. Anyway, pretty 
exciting last third week of the Giro. I think Ineos went back to basics, as we said, after Bernal had that scare the other day. They were like, come on, back to train it up. Ride behind your men until they're finished. Use the men you have. Castrovia, her Martinez, absolutely incredible third weeks. I'd say Moscon and Ghana made all the difference offensively in the first two weeks, setting up moves, Campo Felice, Montalcino. They were good offensively, but on defense in this third week. Uh, well, I guess Ghana still controlling breaks, but yeah. then Castrovia, and Martinez, one mistake they made. One mistake, yeah. Sigariala, but. It's a mistake they learned from the next day and they fixed it. So exactly, perfect. Yeah. perfect they're, like, hold, they're like, we won about a thousand grand tours a certain way. Let's come on. We've been to their credit. You know, we went for stages early on. Bernal got a few stages, but let's go back to what works and uh, secure this Malia Rosa, which we think they have done. So congrats to Bernal without putting the mocker on him, but I think he rode a very, very good Giro d'Italia, almost. Almost yeah. flawless. Let's not celebrate yet. It's not done yet. I just went out. I'm trying to jinx it tomorrow, just, see, just so it's close. Because I, <laughs> I think I think you'll do a pretty good TT, actually, to be honest. But yeah, hope you've enjoyed it so far. If you want to support the podcast, you can give us a like on YouTube. That helps out a lot if you watch there. Give us a review on podcast plays, or you can directly support the pod through the Ko-Fi link down below. Or check out some of our show partner, LaCole's fantastic kit. But no rest for Benji. He thinks he, he thinks he's on some little holiday. Dauphiné starts tomorrow. Ain't no rest for the wicked. And then we've got two of previews after that finishes. Or through Slovenia, if we're covering that. Uh, I'm down. Yeah, we might. If 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 Roglic goes, Primoz, if you go, as well as Tade, I got you, then... We'll I don't do think they both well. go. Nah, yeah, that'd be too much. <laughs> All right, that's enough ribaldry for today. We'll see you with the TT wrap-up and Dauphiné tomorrow. Ciao.